from Braided Media. This is 54 Lights. Good morning, good day, or good evening, and welcome to 54 Lights. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating culture creators from the African continent and beyond it. Our mission is to celebrate these creators who, through their pursuits, are shaping and reshaping our collective culture. The stories we're going to tell on this show are all about uprooting old narratives of the continent, and in doing so, will show us all that the ties that bind are stronger than those that divide. Now, when I kicked off season three of 54 Lights, I mentioned that I'd look at a few different approaches to bringing important stories forward. One of these ways will be to have spotlights on certain themes. The months of March and April will kick off that journey. Over the next six or so episodes, we'll focus our lens firmly on books, magazines, and the inspired creatives who drive them. That'll that'll be mostly but not exclusively authors. The series will feature authors like Taekwondo Sempere, publishers like Mary Powell, Dr. Masan Alatar, and my next guest, Jane Igaro. We're going to call this mini-series Postscript, in honor of their talents and to showcase how these changemakers are shaping culture, page by page. A slight confession before we begin. I am not an avid reader. Uh, In fact, I only got into books in my early 20s. At the time, I was really enthralled by political books. Nonfiction works by writers who chronicled African history, political history for the most part, from Ethiopia to South Africa. I've since broadened my appreciation of penned works, partly because I'm in awe of those who actually can write, those people who can create, and partly because of the impact that their words have. I am in awe of the power and purpose of the written word. My name is Kendwani Mwase, and the next episode is All Tied Up, featuring Nigerian-Canadian author Jane Igaro. I was introduced to Jane thanks to a fortuitous collision prompted by my fellow podcaster, my fellow business partner, and my fellow co-founder of Braided Media. Shout out to Patience, by the way. Patience Adamu, for those who do not know. In any event, it's now my privilege to share the contents of that conversation that I had with Jane Agaro. In it, we talk about her book, we talk about her process, and we scratch the surface of what's next. Let's lean in and listen up. I'm really excited to be here with uh, with Jane Igaro to talk about her book, Ties That Tether. 
Jane, thank you and welcome to uh, 54 Lights. What I would ask, though, before we get started and dive into your book and, and what it means to you and everything like that is, correct me if I mispronounced the last name, and I apologize if I did. Oh, okay, so it's Jane Iyaro, and I'm from Nigeria, from Edo State, and yeah. So what does the family look like? Um, I have my older sister, I'm the middle child, and my younger brother. Do they have Nigerian names as well? So all my siblings, they have like English names that, that mean, that sound really nice. My name is just Jane, but my older sister's name is Precious. Mm. And my brother's name is Divine, and I'm just Jane. I want to kind of double click on your culture. So you've, you've, you're Nigerian, but you've, have you lived in Canada quite a bit or are you like, are you a citizen of the world? What's, what does that look like in and, and more importantly, how did that help you or um, inform how you wrote this book, if at all? Um, well, I, I was born in Nigeria, but um, I've lived um, in Europe I came to Canada when I was um, 11. Mm-hmm. So I've been here for a long time, about yeah. 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, it definitely inspired a great portion of the book, the immigrant experience, and then trying to hold on to your culture from back home while trying to blend in to the culture here. So right. it, 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 my experience, it, experiences influenced this book tremendously. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And especially since you'd spent your time in Europe um, as well, I imagine that 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 played into to how your central characters kind of evolved and came to be. Um, you're when, when I listen. So, so this book is, is you know, wh- what would you consider this book is this is the kind of a, a, a love story for today, so to speak, in terms of uh, the, the fact that it's, it's talking about multiculturalism and talking about different cultures coming together and, and through this love story of these two characters. Um, is, that, is that a fair synopsis of the book? Yeah, it's a love story for sure. But um, a lot of people have said it's less of a love story. White people have said it's some people have said it's more. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to create a story that was about love, two people falling in love in a circumstance that wasn't easy. And I wanted my character to grow. I wanted the story to be about a woman finding her voice and determining the kind of person she wanted to be, not the person her family wanted her to be. So it's a story, it's a love story, but it's also a story about personal growth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what what led you to to write a book like that? You've, you've always been in the creative arts, right? Um, um, but your your background is in journalism, from what I understand. Yes. So wh- where did you make the transition from a, a career in like journalism um, to 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 authoring to author uh, of a book? Like wh- where when did that uh, evolution happen for you? Um, I don't really think it was an evolution mm. because they both include evolve writing, mm-hmm. and I when I was much younger, I wanted to be an actress. Um, I wanted to be the black Hannah, Hannah Montana. And so I, <laughs> I, I was pursuing an, 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 um, a career as an actress, going on auditions downtown Toronto. But that didn't work out. And one summer I was bored. So I just wrote something. And I knew instantly that I wanted to keep writing. And I knew when I went to university, I didn't want to study English because um, my Nigerian mother wanted something more structured, like, 
maybe um, journalism, communications, not mm-hmm. just like English, something that would lead to a specific career. A specific so I career. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I decided to go with journalism because I could at least write there and that could be like my backup plan. So mm-hmm. I did enjoy that. But writing, being an author was my was something I knew I was always going to do. Interesting. You, you know, you talk about sort of culture clashes and where, where um, you know, different parents impose their what their their desires and, and sort of I don't want to say requirements, but their desires and projections on their children. Um, it seems that your your family was supportive, at least of your uh, foray into journalism, right? Is that is that fair to say? Like they they were not looking for you to go to a different faculty, if you will. Not at all, which surprises me even to to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of immigrants expect their children to be lawyers and doctors. Um, it's very stereotypical, but it's very true. Because coming from our country, Nigeria, those are those are considered to be like the best career options, guaranteed to make money no matter what. So um, my mother always said I can I talk really fast and I have opinions about everything. So she assumed that I would be a lawyer. But why I really enjoyed the movie Legally Blonde, um, <laughs> I couldn't imagine doing law at all. Really? So, okay. Yeah. It just seems so boring. The TV makes, you know, law sound so exciting. But yeah. the reality of it, it's not that from what I saw um, interacting with lawyers and going to courtrooms and stuff like that just to observe. Yeah, so, and I think, yeah. I think you're right about that. It's sort of like it, it, it glamorizes it in a way that is maybe not so true. Um, um, it's funny, it's, and sorry to cut you off here, but I'll, I'll just take this little anecdote and say, when I spoke to, I've spoken to a few people about um, like medicine, right, recently, and just say, you know, hey, you know, they're a doctor of, of XYZ and say, hey, have you watched like, obviously, like the ER or mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy and, and stuff like that. And, uh, and a lot of them actually recently have told me like, yeah, that's not even close to what it is. It's not as... Mm-hmm dramatic right so I guess the legal uh that's what it was for you when you started to dip your toe into the legal uh realm is the realization that it's not as as cool as it is on tv so to speak exactly (laughs) and once I realized that I I really wanted no part in it (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then and then so so your pivot then said okay but I want to I want to tell stories through the pen and I want to become a a journalism like where did that come from in, in terms of your growth it seemed like the rational option, like it would allow me to write mm-hmm. and um, maybe be a newscaster one day, yeah. which I thought would be cool. So, um, yeah, I decided to do journalism because I knew I would get the opportunity to talk to people and write. And I love interviewing people and all that stuff. So it just seemed very like a good fit for me. And then so I, I am still curious, though, that to write as a journalist, I imagine is a very different process than it is to say I'm going to put together a story that has a middle beginning and an end I am going to have character development I'm going to weave in all of these layers that kind of make up a book as intriguing as ties that tether like did you wake up one day and say I you know I want to extend this writing and I want to write a book and I want to make it about you know this personal growth this journey of this this um heroine no First, when I started writing, it was actually, I wanted to be a poet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I started writing poetry first and I was while in high school writing a bunch of poetry and I hoped that it would all get published. But I kind of pushed that aside and I started writing my first novel called Sin, Repent, Redeem. It was a literary fiction, sort of like um, the book Precious by Sapphire. Mm-hmm. It's very dark. I, um, Yeah. But it, I sense when I was done with that book, I sent it out to agents and every single one said no. Mm-hmm. And I was still very young. It was my first book and I knew absolutely nothing about writing. And it didn't occur to me that I didn't know the structure of writing a book. I just had an idea. So I made another mistake by writing another book, a supernatural romance called The Divinities. And um, it got more um, interest from agents, but they all ended up saying no. Um, So I decided to go to New York for a conference, a writer's conference, where they talked to writers. They taught writers about the writing process. And I met so many other writers and we learned from each other. And I knew how to structure a book. And I came home and I completely pushed those two novels aside. And I decided to write Ties at Tether. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's really interesting. And then when you were finished that, um, you, this is being uh, published by Random, uh, sorry, by, um, yeah, by, by Random House, correct? Yes, um, Berkeley is an imprint of Penguin Random House. Okay, got it. How was the process when you started to shop it around? Was, did you know right away that because you had done the sort of the legwork of going to those conferences and sort of putting maybe a little bit more rigor around it, you, you, did you know this one would actually get picked up? Yes, I knew the story was different. It had some things. I think it had more of me in the book and I poured more of my heart into it. So I knew that this was it, but um, it still wasn't like easy. I, had, I applied, I sent my... Um, letter so a synopsis of what the book is about to agents and they asked to see it but the rejections kept on flowing in a lot of the agents gave me reasons why they said no and told me how to fix um little problems so I just applied everything they said to my book and I continued to edit on my own um then I decided to apply for uh for this mentorship program called Pitch Wars by Twitter and I did that and I got a mentor who helped me for about four months to revise my book. And when I was done, I sent it to an agent, a few. And within, in fact, less than 24 hours, one agent read the entire book and asked, to repre- asked that she represent me. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, it was I mean, a long process. I was going to say, you know, and, and, and so this is kind of the reason why I'm asking these questions, Jane, is, is because... I think it's kind of like the lawyer thing, right? You've got a book. It's kind of it's it it is it is appealing and it's really um, uh, cool and exciting to see your name in in print. And now I'm excited to be talking to you. But it's almost like there's an like that's the end point of so many hours of work and finesse and massage that went into it. So I want to give the audience a, a sense of hey, you know, this didn't she didn't just write this and boom, one, one, uh, one go. And that's never really the process with authors. Um, so, so thank you for being um, so open about, about that, that process. Um, obviously there's, there are similarities to, to that process as there would be to, to the field of journalism, right? You've got to work with your editor. You've got to work with people who you're submitting your work to. And you, there are rounds, I believe, of revisions. Um, are the mechanics the same? 
Um, yeah, absolutely different. Writing an article is incredibly simple compared to writing a whole book and creating, making something out of nothing, you know, and making sure there are no plot holes and things make sense. In journalism, you're not writing fiction, you're writing what is. Um, so it's it's completely different and it's it's a lot tougher. Yeah, I can imagine, right? Because you, you, I'm sure that you have to sort of think through the uh, nuances of your characters before you just start throwing them together. And that's maybe that's part of the process, right? Yes. Um, I'm trying to understand whether or not along the way, whether it was, you know, your time in at the conference, let's say in New York, or whether it was the mentor, mentorship through Pitch Wars, or was there one, um, one event that really was, you would say, you know, this was the most critical part of me sort of crossing that, that uh, border to, to create the book? Does that make um, sense? Yeah. I don't think that there was one critical um, event for me. I think one thing led to the other. Um, I went to the conference to learn and I learned so much and I learned how to structure a book and I wrote a book based on what I had learned. And because I had learned so much and my writing improved, agents requested my book. And even though they rejected it, they gave me feedback Mm-hmm. And I took that feedback, applied it, and I applied for Pitch Wars. With Pitch Wars, about each um, mentor um, gets about 200 applications. So if my book wasn't as strong as it had been because of the conferences and the feedback I got from, inje- from agents, I probably wouldn't have been chosen out of 200 applicants. So mm-hmm. I think one thing led to another. Oh, thank you for that. Okay, that's good. Um, and sorry for the, the the poorly phrased question at the beginning. Um, <laughs> l- let me let me dive into the book for 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 a second. And I know I'm I'm kind of working on the periphery of the book, but I want to invite people to actually to read it and pick it up. So I've got a few questions about the book and, and the, the characters in particular. But um, this is a as you were mentioning a, a sort of like a, a personal growth story of a Nigerian uh, woman and uh, falling in love with a Spanish. Um, uh, gentleman, correct? Yes. So I think that, you know, one of the things that I, as I've, I've sort of really perused the book in a very, very, at a high level, and I have to, to finish it. So I apologize for, for not having finished it by the time that we've spoken, but, um, and I will get there and everybody else should as well. But the question, as I started reading it, and as I've heard you on another podcast as well, talk about the book, it, it occurred to me that this book was really, I mean, it's, it's kind of about a Nigerian character and a Spanish character, but it really is far beyond that. It could be about anybody who's pursuing a love story or a love interest, rather, that's of a different culture. And I think that that sort of, it, it's, it's, I think it's a real story for a lot of different people. My, my personal situation is that I have, I'm a Malawian, obviously, but I've grown up in Canada, so I'm kind of a Canadian, essentially. And uh, my wife is Guyanese Indian. And there was a lot in this story that I thought of, like, that was real because it related to people, just anybody who's sort of pursuing things outside of their culture. You know, did you think of that, how that would have like sort of a broader appeal when you were writing the book, that this is really, this really can apply to anybody from any culture? Honestly, no. Mm -hmm. I didn't. I just wrote what 
because I had dated outside of my race before, so I had exp- I had, I had experienced um, a little thing, just little things here and there. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I just wrote the story for myself because it fascinated me because I could relate to it, and I didn't think about how others could relate to the story. It didn't even cross my mind. Really? Yes. <laughs> Wow, because so, I'm, I'm telling you, I think it, I think it will. I think it'll appeal to people of so many different backgrounds. But please go on. Yes, um, that that was just my mindset when I wrote it. But I have you're completely right. It has. I continuously get messages from people saying that it's very much their story and they could relate to it. I got one just yesterday where a woman told me that she's in the same position with her family. And because of that, because her, fam- her family does not accept the man she's with, because of cultural differences, she doesn't feel like a good daughter. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what my character goes through. And she said that my book has given her courage and hope. And that those kind of messages continuously surprised me because yeah. I thought of myself, and this was my story when I wrote it, but it's not just mine, it's so many others. So yeah, really yeah. Cool. That's that's I mean, I think that that is beautiful. And I think it's it's something you should you should appreciate about what you've created here. It really is something that transcends outside of your personal story in the sense that it's it is the story for a lot of different people. And um, I, I think a lot of people who pick this up will will see themselves or someone really close to them reflected in this story in one shape, way or form. Um, you talked about how it's a real account of this. Does it feel like this is you in a book? Yeah, just my mom, when she read it, um, she said, um, this is kind of like you. Mm-hmm. She said the character reminded her a lot of me, mm-hmm. which um, I didn't go through the exact things she went through, just little pieces. My life didn't inspire the book, but it's not a memoir. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Someone thought it was, but it is not. Uh, it just inspired it. but this character's personality is similar to mine. She loves fashion and um, romantic movies. And yeah, her sense of humor is very much me. So. Oh, that's, that's great. Do, do you find that you have to, when you're talking to members of your family or your, you know, your brother and, and, and sister and, um, and your mom, when you're talking to them, you, you have to qualify to them and say, no, no, this is not fully me. It's inspired by me, but it's not me. Do you find that you have to do that with friends, family, uh, Maybe ex-boyfriends? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my family, my um, immediate family know the difference. But uh, my mother's friends um, picked up the book and they had to ask her if... <laughs> if this hey, is, was this, like, is this Jane? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and someone who interviewed me actually um, said that... So your memoir was very... And I was like, it's not a memoir. Mm-hmm. It's a work mm-hmm. of fiction. So. That's so funny. Yeah. That's so funny. But I, I suppose with something like this, that this is this is maybe becomes par for the course is that people start to to project um, little bolts on onto the story. But I'm 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 happy that you you're setting the record straight for everybody listening to say no, it's not a memoir. It is inspired by, but it's not a memoir. Yeah. Um, Another couple of questions on the book. I'm, I found one of the things that's really interesting, and I'll, like this is an aside, but the cover and the title. First of all, the cover is really striking. It's a beautiful uh, illustration. What inspired you to do a cover like this? And then um, I'll, I'll ask you a question about the, um, the title in a second. 
Um, sure. Well, for the cover, um, this is actually the exact cover I imagined in my mind before I even, before I was shown sketches. Um, I spoke to my editor and she, we went back and forth and she gave me some covers that, some cover ideas that I didn't love, but um, I told her that I really want to incorporate African prints mm -hmm. into the cover. And I don't want a man and a woman there. I just want a woman. Um, because with romance novels, it's always like the man and the woman. And I didn't want people to look at it and think, oh, this is just another cheesy romance. Right. I don't know how to explain it, but mm -hmm. <laughs> I just wanted them to know that it wasn't just, it, it was, because I feel like there's a lot going on in this book than just a love story. So I wanted that to come across and I wanted her culture to come across. So I sent my editor some ideas and she was very kind and she loved everything I suggested. And um, yeah, that's, she, that's how it came about. That's how yeah. I came about that. And it does speak to have the thoughtfulness of, of how you put it together, Jane. So I got to commend you on that because you're right. I think there is this, maybe this easier path is to say, well, let's put a man and a woman on the cover and have them in some sort of like uh, cheesy embrace or whatever it is, right? Like it could have been uh, like that, but the, the, the really the African print, uh, the way she's looking at, out um, and people, obviously I'm, I'm giving pieces in here, but look it up, go buy the book. And then she's wearing these glasses with the reflection of, uh, a man in there, which I actually only recently <laughs> noticed. So I think yeah. it's, it, do you know what I mean? Like there's a part of me that it's so subtle and so smart. Uh, so I, I have to commend you on taking the time to do that. The glasses um, was my publisher's idea. The only way they could get a man in there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it's funny, but I, only now as I'm looking at it while we're talking here, this, that's the first time I noticed that. So anyways, it's a striking cover. It's quite subtle. Uh, so I, I think it works. I think it works, but I'm a man. So um, <laughs> a little bit of bias there. Uh, listen, I have about 10 minutes left with you, um, but I did want to ask you as well, what made you pick that title, Ties That Tether? Um, well, originally the book was called <laughs> Preference and Prejudice. <laughs> I laugh every time I say that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's very similar to the Jane Austen book, Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, and my, I was going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, my name is Jane, you know, so um, I don't want people to get it confused. I don't want them to think it's like a, a version of, um, right. of that book. So I looked through the book and I noticed the theme of people being connected. If you read, read the book all the way to the end, you notice she talks about strings tethering us together. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, so I decided to go with this title. Yeah, it, and it, you know what? It's it's funny. Like I said, I haven't gotten to the end of the book yet, but it that makes a lot of sense because you can see there are threads, if you will, that tether and connect people throughout the book, and uh, ultimately to connect the reader to the book too. So fa fantastic job on 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 this. I did want to ask you one one other question about you know related to the book, but maybe in terms of giving advice to to other authors who are working at this. You have done something that's quite unique in the sense, or different. It, nowadays, people say, well, I can self-publish, I can self-publish, I can self-publish. I think what's really interesting about what you've accomplished is that you are not um, not only self-published, but you are you have been picked up by Berkeley, uh, but, but a division of Random House. 
And that in and of itself should speak to the quality in this book. What is the bit of advice that you would give to other creatives, other writers, specifically perhaps African women writers such as yourself, about going through that process? Like what's the, what's the advice you would give to those um, creatives? Um, well, the basic advice is just to improve your craft by um, reading and studying and just um, going to conferences and learning from people who are more experienced than you. But that's a general advice. But from my point of a Nigerian author, I would say hold on to your culture, whatever that is, as best as you can. Um, I feel like a lot of people say diversity and inclusivity is so important. It, it should be in publishing, it should be in acting, it should be everywhere in the media. But sometimes it's, uh, it's not implied that you can be black, but not too black. You can be Nigerian, but not too Nigerian. And some people might try to shrink your identity just so it's not too much. And I've been experiencing that. And my advice is to hold on to your culture and your identity, no matter what you do, no matter what you write, uh, how successful you are. The, the next projects that are coming up, when do you think you'll be tackling those next books? Um, well, I hope to release another book this year in September. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I just finished the, I just sent edits to my editor, so. If people want to get in touch, obviously if they want to go and get uh, Ties That Tether, they should go to your um, website or they can get it on Amazon. They can get it, I think, on uh, um, Indigo as well or Chapters rather. If they want to follow you, should they go to your website? Is that the best place or are you an Instagram person? What's what's the best way to, to, to stay in touch with Jane? Oh, I'm an Instagram person. Um, yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at um, Jane underscore Igaro. So there you have it. The conversation continues. Part of our show was recorded and produced at Simplified Studios, the soundstage and auditory office of Speech Simplified. Music for this episode was composed, played, and enjoyed with permission by the team at Multiformats. I'd like to thank Jane for sharing her book and her backstory with us today. Whether you're a writer or not, I hope her perspective leaves you with a meaningful mark, as it did for me. To all our listeners, thank you for tuning in, and I certainly invite you to pick up Jane's book. I'm sure you'll find something familiar in that love story. If you like what you've heard, there's more. As I mentioned at the top, we're having a mini-series focused on the written and spoken word, Postscript. Our mini-series on wordsmiths continues in the coming weeks. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any of those upcoming inspiring episodes. You can find us wherever you do your listening. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, 
Google Podcasts, and many, many more. If you enjoy some social sprinkled in with your experience, please follow us on Instagram under our handle, Crowd54. Listen, like, subscribe, and share. I'm your host, Kandwani Mwase. Until we meet again, thanks for listening.